Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. We're recording in the same room under ideal circumstances for the first time in a very long time, which yes. is lovely. It's nice. Peter, it's good to see you. So, Indeed, it's good to see you. Thanks, mate. God bless you. It's <laughs> you nice. could have tidied up. It's nice. Well, I did slightly. I did slightly. <laughs> you would not believe the state of the kitchen, honestly, before yesterday. Anyway, right. So, listeners, today we are doing issue 72 of The Brave and the Bold, which was published on the 20th of April, 1967. And this issue of Brave and the Bold is when Brave and Bold is really bedding down as a team-up book. It's on the cusp of becoming Batman and an other as the regular setup. This issue features the Spectre and the Flash, and that's the order they build. The Spectre is accompanied by the Flash, and when we say the Flash, it's the Silver Age Barry Allen Flash. Yes, we're doing, finally, Brave and Bold 72, Phantom Flash, Cosmic Traitor. Pete, say, tell us about the cover. I certainly shall. Well, I believe for the final time, we have the go-go checks at the top of the cover. Yes. Oh no! The go-go checks are go-go going. They're gone after yes. this, this very issue. It's very sad. I'm sure we'll have a flashback episode or two where we come across them again. But uh, so. that's it. That's it for the time being. Moment silence for the yes. go-go checks. That's enough. Mm. Right, on the cover, we have an amazing space background with a lovely, gorgeous, clear, starry night. We appear to be on a white planet. Is it the moon? I think Could it is the, the moon. moon. Because in the background, in space, we have the Earth, which is quite exciting. Crashed on the lunar surface is a red biplane. Mm. And fighting above that, we have the Spectre, who is being punched by a phantom flash. Yeah, it appears that the Spectre and the Flash, they appear to be sort of big and cosmic sized. It's an interesting clash of styles. It's drawn by Carmen Infantino and inked by Murphy Anderson. I love this cover. It's coloured so well for a start. Yes, it's it's beautiful. I think it's one of the best comic covers ever. The Spectre looks very Murphy Anderson, mm-hmm. but the Flash looks very Carmen Infantino. Yeah, it's, it's a it's, really interesting mix of styles. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. I wonder if the full Earth in the background was a Murphy suggestion, you know, because he doesn't <laughs> like his full moon. Possibly. Um, Quite possibly. But it's it's a real fave, this cover. I bought my copy in Stateside Comics in Glasgow. Mm. And again, before I walked in there, I had this one for, God, when did I get it? 92, 93. I've had this copy for a long time. Yeah. And it's a story I've really been looking forward to doing. Because it's, yeah, it's a few interesting things to talk about. So basically what we have here is the Golden Age character, the Spectre, teaming up with the Silver Age hero, the Flash, which is pretty cool. Or are they teaming up? We'll mm. have to jump in and find yes. out. Well, they're co-starring at least, so that's fine. So mm. there's not really much more to it than that. We'll jump straight into the story. We have our opening splash panel. The Brave and the Bold presents the Spectre and the Flash. And we have an opening caption box, which says this. In a great gloomy hall in a sinister castle on the Rhine... Twelve old men watch as if their very lives hang in the balance. And they do! As a long-dead comrade flings down a challenge between two mighty antagonists, the Spectre and the Flash. Thus begins the incredible adventure that thunders through the very universe when one of the world's greatest superheroes becomes the Phantom Phantom Flash Cosmic Cosmic Trader. And in this opening splash panel, we're obviously in the sinister castle that Peter's just told us about. We can see the spectre with his cape whirling around him. There's a big table with a melting candle on it and sort of ghostly figure behind it. My first instinct is, oh, that looks a bit like Enemy Ace. It does look a bit like Enemy Ace, yeah. So if you can picture Enemy Ace, mm-hmm. listeners, it looks a bit like him. And the translucent, loosely defined Phantom Flash who we saw on the cover, he's also present and we can see some older gentleman standing in the background watching what's going on and this phantom flyer figure who sat at the table is saying Now I, ghost pilot, say let the duel begin between you, Spectre, and my phantom ally, the Flash. But there can be only one outcome, Spectre, your destruction. Then total revenge shall be mine. (laughs) Ha And he appears to be slamming his hand or something down on top of this table. So, that's the setup. Interesting. 
Phantom Ally the Flash, how does Barry end up as a ghost fighting the Spectre? Well, I don't know, we'll find out soon enough. So we have a little signature on the bottom of this panel, which indicates that it's drawn by Carmen Infantino. And who does, what does that look like to you? It's Charles Cadera. Charles Cadera, okay, right. So not Murphy Anderson inside. Ah, that's a shame. That's interesting. We'll see how it plays out then. So, over the page, story page two, our first caption says... In Central City, USA, on Earth 2, a scarlet breeze ruffles the real estate. The Flash on a visit from Earth 1. Now that's an interesting thing straight away. Because mm -hmm. as we know, Central City is where Barry Flash operates and that's on Earth 1. Yes. So it seems there is so an Earth 2. There is an Earth, Central there is an Earth 2 well. Central City. Right, I hope everyone's paying attention at home and noting all this <laughs> down because we certainly aren't. That's fascinating, mm -hmm. straight away. Mm -hmm. Gosh. Also, the Earth 1 and Earth 2s are written in Roman numerals, which we haven't had before. Hmm. That's interesting. That's quite, that's quite different. So yeah, so this panel essentially shows a couple of pedestrians being disrupted and the bus stop being disrupted and what looks like a newsstand being disrupted as the Flash races along the road beside them. And as he does this, the Flash is thinking, I'll take a leisurely second to tour the town before I look up my old buddy, the Spectre. Yes, and the second panel shows him zigging and zagging all over the place. And again, we have to pause straight away before I look up my old buddy, the Spectre. The last time The Flash was anywhere near The Spectre, in fact, the only time that this version of The Flash has been anywhere near The Spectre yes. was in last year's JLA GSA team-up. Indeed. And I don't think they really interacted personally too much, did they? No, not really. There was the big fight that was actually took place on The Spectre's body, but apart from that, that's, yeah. that's really it. Because this suggests that Barry Flash has, has a relationship with The Spectre. You and, would think. And has been established for a while, and he's made the trip to Earth 2 on a social visit to visit this, you know it's mm -hmm. you know I always talk about this DC comic that you and I are going to write and I think we're going to have to devote an entire year to building up to Flash and Spectre teaming up on this issue even board and we've got to you know map out their friendship Indeed. and put them, through, put them through hoops and loops and, and becoming mm -hmm. pals so who wrote this issue? It's Bob Haney right. so as ever mm. he just likes to get on with the story you can tell that Peter wants to get on with the story he's not <laughs> interested in my speculation at this point now Bob Haney is a guy that's going to write a lot of the Brave and Bold stories yeah. that we do the vast majority of them and he's a little notorious for not really paying too much attention to established continuity and established yeah. thinking mm -hmm. it's going to lead to a bit of confusion and a bit of speculation as we go along. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. As you anyway. mentioned in our Aquaman episode, he at one stage introduced Black Manta as, ah, my old enemy, Black Manta, in Black Manta's first appearance. Yes. So Black Manta, he didn't actually give a backstory to... Yeah, and this <laughs> is also... Rockman as a villain. This is a very similar approach, actually, you know. Anyway, so... But then... As we hit panel three, Barry skids to a halt because it looks as though there's some mischief going on. And he thinks... Uh-oh. We'll sure our funny green stamps in that shopping cart. And then the foreground of the panel is a big truck. And from what we can see, there's a couple of people pushing a shopping trolley. It looks like it's full of cash. Yes. Yeah, up the ramp into the back of the truck. And as we reach panel four, the caption says, As the truck slams shut and roars away. The truck roars off indeed. And we see the owner of what looks like a supermarket standing outside, obviously in a state of distress. He sees the flash running towards him and he cries, Help! Flash! They've robbed the store! Relax, friend. I've just catch up, vibrate right inside that truck and recover the money before you can say today's special. So we're on Earth 2's version of Central City and this shopkeeper recognises the Barry Allen Flash straight away. Interesting. The caption then for the next panel has one of Carmine Infantino's little trademark hands that we've come to enjoy so much. And the caption says, No, Flash, don't vibrate your molecules through that truck door. We're warning you, Scarlet Speedster, too late. Yep, because Barry has caught up with the truck. He's vibrating through the back door of the truck and he's thinking, Funny, these doors have a resistance. A feeling like nothing I've ever passed through before. We arrive at the top of page three. The caption of the first panel says, A split instant later. Barry's emerging inside the truck. He's not happy because he screams, Hey, what's happening to me? He falls to the floor of the truck and there are two bad guys inside the truck, the guys who we saw with the shopping trolley full of money. Um, one of them wearing a very attractive sort of blouse-style orange jacket says, Here he comes! And his blue-jumpered-wearing compatriot says, Yeah, and just like the old guy said, he's crumpling up like wet confetti. The blonde guy in the blue on jacket says in the next panel as the flash is crumpled down on the floor of the truck, Beautiful! Now when we reach the country, we dump him out and make a clean getaway. It was our lucky day when that weird old bozo gave us this truck and said it would stop the flash cold. Yeah, 
But what's in it for him? Says the guy in the blue jumper. The next panel shows the truck doors wide open as it's still speeding along the road. And they've tossed Barry out the back of the truck and we can see him falling to the ground. Blue son jacket bad guy says, Who cares? we got a cart full of lettuce and plenty of time to plant it. <laughs> Gee, that's right. Now we're right at the bottom of page three. As the inert form of the Sultan of Speed lies on the desolate country road, a strange craft appears overhead. Yeah, we're kind of up in the air slightly with the perspective of this one. We can see the flash lying unconscious still. And I'm guessing this is probably maybe the same biplane that we saw on the cover. It floats overhead and then we have an inset panel of the Phantom Flyer type character we saw on the splash page. The kind of left side of his face is quite well defined. You can see his goggles, his flying helmet, part of the, the fur line of his coat. But his right side, it's almost like it's dissolving into sort of smoke. It looks very, very creepy, very unsettling. This phantom flyer is saying, It is done. Now it is time for the ghost pilot to pass from the spectral zone to the so-called real world. Over the page to page four, and we have another caption that says, Now as the fantastic antique plane banks and settles toward the lonely ribbon of road. As the plane comes down to land, the pilot is saying, Perfect! I can still set her down on a postage stamp after all these years. And the next panel, he's landed the plane, he's climbing out, looking at Flash lying unconscious in the grass, and the pilot says, Now to perform the last part of the experiment. Interesting. Now, we reach the bottom of page four, sequence of three panels, the ghost flyer chap is standing over the unconscious Flash. You can see the plane in the background, and a sort of burst of gold energy emanates from his eyes and strikes the Flash. With his hands up in the air, the phantom flyer says, Spirits of the bullet-lashed skies, guardians of strut and fabric, and those who took the flaming death, by the dank bog that covered friend and foe alike, by the powers of Castle Krieg, spectral flash arise! The second panel of this sequence of three along the bottom of page four, the head of this phantom flyer, the golden energy bursting out, and the flash... It looks like he's dissolving into cloud, looking very much like he does on the cover. Very creepy. And then in the final panel of page four, this translucent, ill-formed, cloud-like version of the Flash is starting to rise. And we can see the gesturing hand of the Phantom Flyer, and he finishes his little speech saying, It is finished! Success! My new ally stands before me! Blimey! And there's a tiny caption at the bottom that says, Continued on second page following. So... Pass an advert from G.I. Joe Frogman, live on page five of the story, and the caption says, A strange spectral reincarnation of himself, the Scarlet Speedster now faces the fantastic being who has wrought this incredible change, the mysterious Ghost Pilot. Ghost Pilot would have been a really good MF Enterprises Captain Marvel villain, wouldn't he? He would have been, absolutely, yeah. yes. Because they had the Ghost Patrol and Big mm-hmm. Max and all that. And when I saw the title, I thought, this is what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Not an, an insurance fraud. <laughs> Check out our MF Enterprises Captain Marvel episode for more on that. It's a lot of fun. If you haven't done so already, it's one of our most listened to. It's a cracker. I revisit it regularly, but my life's empty. So there you are. So, the Phantom Flash salutes the Ghost Pilot in the first panel of page five, declaring, I recognise and salute my commander. Your orders, sir. And the Ghost Pilot is thinking, Perfect. Those doors made from the airframes of planes in which aces went down in flames and tempered in the jungle moat of Castle Krieg worked perfectly. Now I have the fastest wingmate of them all. So the doors of the truck were made from the airframes of, pl- right, of crashed aeroplanes and that's what's... So there must be some mystical, magical, spectral... Looks, looks that way. Interesting, okay. Mm-hmm. So we get a close-up of the ghost pilot in panel 2 of page 5 and he says, Your orders flash... To be with me when we have a rendezvous with those who live. So we have a slow dissolve. Not long after, in a towering hotel in a great city. Now we see some big doors, wide open. There's a little sign on the wall. We can't really see the start of it. Something three, squadron reunion, an arrow saying private. And there's about half a dozen men in smart suits, smart evening dress, being ushered into a room by a butler-type figure, probably just a member of hotel staff, to be honest, who says... By this way, gentlemen, everything is ready. Twelve aged men filing into a room, but twelve erect, strong-jawed men, with eyes undimmed by time. Yep, and they're all standing behind their seats along a big long table, which is a number 13 on it on a card. Places are set for dinner, and there's a guy at the head of the table who appears to be being addressed by one of the others. And this other guy, who we find out is called 
Charlie says. There it is, Major. Twelve places set for us. And just like every year for almost fifty, a thirteenth place for Luther Jarvis. Ah, the Major replies. Yes, Charlie. When Jarvis was shot down the last day of the war and became our squadron's only casualty, we all swore we'd never forget him, that he'll always be with us. Top of page six now, the Major continues. We owed it to Jarvis, considering what happened. And then one of the other gentlemen who's attending dinner cuts in and says, Major, great guns, look! And then in the second panel of page six, we see that they have been joined at the table by the ghost pilot, who we're presuming is Luther Jarvis. And indeed, one of the voices says, Jarvis! And someone else says, What? Another one says, It can't be! Another one says, It's some trick. Yes. They obviously weren't expecting this. We have a caption for the third panel on page six, which says, But hearts that never froze before screaming fuckers or flinched from Spandau spitting death, do so now as... Well done, Peter. The Phantom Flyer, the ghost pilot, we now know is called Luther Jarvis, he directs his gaze and another burst of golden energy flies out from his goggles and the Phantom Flash figure appears. One of the assembled dinner guests says, Good heavens! Another one says, Coming through the wall! Another one says, A red spectral being! And another one says, No, let's get out of here! And a caption for the next panel says, But now a familiar voice rumbles eerily. And we see the ghost pilot directing his golden energy at the ground. And he says, Silence! Remain where you are. There is no escape. And one of the old men running away says, There is for me. But then the flash cuts in front of him in the next panel. And he says, Hey! He's here ahead of me. And off panel, the phantom flyer ghost pilot says, As you see, my old comrades, there is no escape, as my loyal wingmate has shown. Over the page to page seven. In the hushed silence, the squadron's old commander steps forward. The Major approaches the ghost pilot, saying, Jarvis, if this is really you, looking no older than the day Von Craig shot you down, what do you want of us? I want, Major, what you all took from me, your lives and your eternal spirits. We get a close-up of Jarvis, the ghost pilot. The goggles are glinting. Yeah, it's a, a really very, cool up those shots. Effective. Very guilty, actually. Yeah, it might well end up on the socials, who mm-hmm. can say. So, we have a slow dissolve. Some time later, Jim Corrigan, captain of Metropolitan Detectives, answers an emergency call. It's a high-angle shot of the dining room that we've just been in. You can see that the chairs around the table are all empty. One of the hotel members of staff is standing talking to, it must be said, from looks in this picture, a very portly-looking, elderly-looking, white-haired gentleman, but it's not, because the member of hotel staff says, I tell you, Corrigan, they're gone, vanished, all of them. It's uncanny. And Jim Corrigan responds, You say the only doors were locked tight, you had to break in? Hmm. Get a nice aerial shot of the building for the next panel. Yes, the doors are the only entry, and the windows are 24 stories above the street. I tell you, those old aces just disappeared. <laughs> or maybe they flew away, <laughs> replies Jim Corrigan. The next panel cuts their closer shot of Jim, the caption says. But the crack detective's little joke masks a growing sensing of fear and evil. As the manager leaves... Yes, we see the spectre force starting to emerge from behind Jim Corrigan. Spectre says, Need help, Jim? Corrigan replies, Yes, I need you very badly. Caption for the next panel. Now from Jim Corrigan's body rises the awesome being who defies the bounds of this world and any other. The phantom fighter known only as the Spectre. This is a really nice panel of the spectre emerging from Jim Corrigan's body. And it's interesting because it kind of looks like a kind of combo of early stylized, really sharp carmine and late era, foggy, looser carmine. It's very interesting. Mm. The artwork's almost distracting at points in this story. I wonder how much of it's carmine, how much of it's the Inca. We'll see as we go. So we arrive at the top page eight in a caption that says, A heartbeat later, the spectre stands beside the man who once died to give him his supernatural life. Yes, we see the Spectre and Jim now standing together in the hotel suite. Now, we should probably point out, in the background of this panel, we can see on the wall, there's a giant, old-fashioned aeroplane propeller. And casting our eyes back, it's also in the panel where Jim Corrigan is talking to the, the man from the hotel. And it's also visible on the wall in a couple of the panels in the earlier scene with the, the veterans around the table. So, was it they say, if you hang a, an aeroplane propeller on the wall mm-hmm. in the first act... 
you've got to do something with it in the third act. So the Spectre and Jim stand together, and the Spectre is saying, I sense the evil, the terror in this room too. Your move, Jim. We're yours, Spectre. What happened in this room just an hour ago? Quickly. Every moment is crucial. In reply, the discarnate detective grasps the old plane prop and... Yes, he indeed gives it a big spin. Spin the wheel, yeah. The Spectre says, You want contact with the immediate past, Jim? Very well. Contact. And with a supernatural spin of the antique blades... This is a great panel. It really is. Might end up in the socials. But there's a helpful bit of see-what-you-see dialogue from Corrigan off-panel who says, Great blazes! And we see revealed, as the propeller spins on the wall, we see the ghostly figures of Luther Jarvis and the Phantom Flash. So Jim says, sure enough, a ghostly pilot and a spectral version of the Flash. He doesn't comment that it's the Flash of Earth 1 or no. it's the Flash of Earth... You know, it's mm-hmm. make a distinction of not being Jay Garrick. That's interesting. Bob Haney obviously is not concerned with such matters. No, definitely not. Get on with the story, says Bob Haney. And get on with the story, says Peter Watson. Yes. Caption for the next panel says... Then, as more of past time is revealed by the Spectre's amazing powers... Hmm. We don't actually see what Jim and the Spectre are watching. We just get a nice close-up of the Spectre and Jim. And Jim says... Spectre... Do you read it the way I do? Spectre replies, Yes, Jim. It's fantastic. Terrifying. And I have to say, I don't like the artwork in that panel at all. Either the, the inker is very strong or Carmine's art was very loose. I mean, if that was Joe Kubert, I'd be like, fine, that looks like a Joe Kubert panel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know? Jim looks like he's, he's got a face like a bulldog chewing a wasp, as we say in Scotland. Spectre looks fine. Obviously concerned about yes, very the concerned. past events being shown by through this propeller that we yeah, don't get to see. It's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. The caption then for the final panel of page 8 says, And as the prop slows to a stop, Spectre and Jim face each other. The Spectre says, What we have witnessed means only one thing, Jim. This is a mission for me alone, not you. Corrigan replies, I couldn't agree more, Spectre. This is one time I'll be glad to stay here and chase ordinary murderers, thieves and racketeers. Murderers, thieves, and racketeers. It sounds like no, it doesn't. Right over the page now. Gypsies, tramps, and thieves. <laughs> yes, it's a song by Cher, which was um, <laughs> nothing to do with menswear. Over the page to page nine. Caption says: Next moment, as the dread figure melts through the solid wall. Yes, we're now outside the hotel. There's a nice handy full moon for the spectre to fly in front of. As he floats away, he calls back: Farewell for now, Jim. Until I return once again to your body. And we see Jim's voice replying, I'll be waiting, Spectre. Flying in a moment, thousands of miles, the Grim Guardian nears a sinister schloss in the Rhine Valley of Germany, Castle Creek. Now, this is an excellent panel. This looks about as far away from Carmine, and I love Carmine, but this looks about as far away from Carmine as, as possible to imagine. This is Yeah, it's quite unusual for This him. is quite mm-hmm. this is House of Mystery or Yeah. House of Secrets. It looks like Sergio's drawn it or Benny Wrightson's drawn it or something. Yeah, it's can definitely see that. It's gorgeous. Yeah. So we have another full moon. There's a few clouds drifting. We see the castle, very gothic looking castle, on top of a hill, and the spectre beholds it, saying, I hope I am not too late. Even I feel fear. Because waiting here is an enemy like I've never faced before. The Flash. A great defender of the good. Turned into a champion of evil and terror. And a closing caption for this chapter of the story says. And waiting in part two. You'll have a rendezvous with the greatest shocker witnessed in the annals of time. Don't quail. Be brave. Be bold. For it continues on third page following. The next page is headed Famous Phantoms and it's you know, a text page telling us about ghosts and stuff. Over the page there's an advertisement for Superman issue 197, which is an 80-page giant Clark Kent-focused issue. And then as we arrive on page 10 of the story, we have a header that says Phantom Flash Cosmic Traitor Part 2. Another really nice panel, which definitely is the influence of later horror comics, I think, even if that's paradoxical. And we have a caption that says even as the spectre nears the sepulchral spires of Castle Creek, on its other side, from a hangar hewn in the solid rock of its base, two ancient warplanes are taking to the skies. And that's what we see against a. It must. Is that harvest moon? It's a bright orange, actually. It's the same as we saw previously. We can see the two airplanes. One of the planes is a little higher than the other, and it appears to be totally white, whereas the other one, that's in the process of taking off, is just sort of orange sort of colour. Hmm. Anyway, 
The caption for the next panel helpfully says, In the cockpit of the all-white triplane, which is without marking, sits a ghostly figure. Yep, it's that Luther Jarvis again looking like a scary version of Enemy Ace. And he's saying, Now it begins, the reckoning for which I have waited an eternity. The caption for the next panel. And piloting the spad, a tense, haggard old man. But a man who is grim and determined. And it's the Major looking very much like John Cleese does nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish I'd thought of that. And I could have played him as John Cleese throughout. Oh, that would well. have been quite amusing, not to worry. So the Major in close-up says, I must defeat him, somehow, to save my comrades. And then we have a nice, helpful see-what-you-see caption for the final panel of page 10. While watching from below... Yep, we see the very concerned dinner guests from the, the squadron. Um, we see the castle silhouetted behind them. They're all looking up, and one of them is saying, The Major was the best of us all. He'll do it. And another one says, Against a phantom? A ghost that thirsts for total revenge? Not a chance. We're all doomed. Gosh, that's optimistic, isn't it? Over the page then to page 11. Now a strange battle begins above the ancient gloomy castle. Yep, the two planes are flying high above the castle and the moon. It's, it must be said, the storytelling for the next few pages is gorgeous. If you don't have a copy of this story, seek one out. Get Brave and Bold 72, get yourself a copy of the Crisis Team Ops book that reprints it, because this is gorgeous. This would look amazing sort of if it was filmed. The white biplane is taking the lead and is flying ahead as the, the orange one flies behind. So the orange one is obviously the one flown by the Major. And the Major is saying, He's still climbing! My chance for a fast turn and a surprise burst! But even as the Major nurses the spad with all his old skill into a strut-screaming turn... Yeah, the panel shows the Major upside down here, so he's obviously flying the plane upside down. This is, like I said, it's it's so well done. He's in my sights. I... What? The ship? It's twisting over. Can't hold it. And then the next panel shows... Well, it's a see-what-you-see moment, as the white plane of the Phantom Flyer Jarvis flies back down towards the upside-down Major. The Major inside his plane cries, On the wing! The spectral flash! He's doing this! And we can see, indeed, that the flash is standing on the wing of the plane, and he's upside down. And again, the Major just recognising that it's the flash. It's, yes. it's the Barry flash. He doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, he seems very familiar with him. Bob Haney don't care. The caption for the next panel on page 11 says, Now as the white triplane whirls around... They get a really horrible, scary shot of Luther Jarvis piloting the joystick of his aeroplane as he says, How do you like my wingmate, Major? Unlike others, he's loyal, unbeatable, without fear. Now, die! And there's a bratatatat between the aeroplanes in the next panel. However, the caption says, but as the ghostly ace, who was once Captain Luther Jarvis, squeezes the trigger grips of the twin Spandaus... Very helpfully, there's some more say-what-you-see dialogue from Luther Jarvis's ghost. A huge hand, stopping my bullets! Indeed, and it's the hand of the spectre, which has got between the white triplane and the major's plane, which we can still see his Barry Flash standing on top of it. And the spectre is catching the bullets. We arrive at the top of page 12. Jarvis is flying down towards the spectre, saying... By the hounds of no man's land, the spectre. And we see the spectre standing in this. I mean, this is stunning. This panel, wouldn't you think, Peter? Wouldn't you think? Yes. Uh-huh. Spectre standing in the sea, towering over the castle, with the moon down behind him. The major's plane is flying down in front of the spectre. Jarvis's plane is a little higher up. The spectre replies to Jarvis, "Yes, Luther Jarvis. Now let us see you fly through a cosmic cape storm." And with a flap, flap, he waves his cape, which obviously disrupts the flight of the spectral plane, and Jarvis says, My ship, being tossed like a leaf. And even as the ghost pilot exerts his supernatural energies, yells a burst of energy from the spectral white plane, and Jarvis says, The spectre's powers are greater! My wingmate, spectral flash, help me! Caption for the next panel. From his stance upon the spad's wing, the phantom flash hears his commander's call, and... Yeah, it looks like the flash is starting to grow as he hops off of... The Major's plane, the Spectre can see him coming towards him. The Spectre says, Great spirits, are all his powers equal to my own? And as Jarvis flies overhead of this scene, he says, We shall soon see. Attack him, Flash! The caption for the final panel on page 12 says, But before the Spectral Scarlet Speedster can act, The Spectre has grabbed a hold of Luther Jarvis's aeroplane. You can see the angle of this panel. The Flash is moving towards the Spectre. The Spectre is still towering over him. And the Spectre says, Hold, Flash. 
or my astral powers will crush the ghost pilot. That sounds like the sort of thing the Spectre should say. Yes. Isn't it? Top of page 13. The Spectre is holding Jarvis's plane up close to his face. Jarvis says, Stop, Flash! I command you! What do you want, Spectre? A truce. On your word as a gentleman and an ace. A truce? Granted. We have a bit of a slow dissolve, and a helpful caption says, Shortly, in a huge hall in Castle Creek. We're inside Castle Creek. We can, there's a big long table. Some of the former members of the squadron are standing around. Luther Jarvis is sat at the head of this long table, which has some candles on it. The spectre is saying, Now, Luther Jarvis, what do you want with these men? Your former comrades in arms. Why did you bring them here? A nice creepy close-up of Jarvis who says, They know why. Because on November the 11th, 1918, the last day of World War One, 13th Squadron had a battle rendezvous with Baron von Krieg, the enemy ace who was our arch foe. He continues in the next panel. Squadron 13's honour demanded that we answer von Krieg's challenge here, in the skies above his own castle. But only one plane made that rendezvous. Mine. My brother aces all stayed home, the cowards. The Major interrupts in the next panel, saying, We, we did not want to take chances on the war's last day, Jarvis. We didn't expect you would make the rendezvous alone, believe me. But I did, alone, against von Krieg's murderous staffel, without wingmates to protect me. Top of page 14, we have a nice little inset panel of the creepy, scary ghost flyer who narrates this tiny little flashback, and he's saying, It was no contest. The guns of a dozen Fockers sent me down, down into the swampy bog near the castle. Yeah, and there's a massive wham sound effect as we see the flaming wreckage of the aeroplane colliding with the swamp. We can see some other aeroplanes silhouetted up in the sky. It's a very, very effective panel, actually. Some nice work. The the artwork in this story is really lush. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Jarvis narrates the next panel at the top of page 14. I died. Captain Luther Jarvis died. But something in that miasmal fog, its gases and clays, would not let me truly die. And long years later... We see the spectral form of Jarvis emerging from the water. The swamp. We can see the castle behind him, the wreckage of the airplane. There's another full moon. As he emerges from the, the murky water, he's saying... I rise to walk and fly to seek revenge on those who still live as the ghost pilot. Yeah. How... It's a conversation we have to have here, actually. First World War, mm-hmm. flying, yes. crashing into a swamp, yes. reborn from the swamp, yes. and it's not the heap. It's not the heap, no. Mm. Do you want to explain to the listeners who the heap is? Well, the heap appeared in Airboy comics published by Elman Periodicals in the, in the 40s. and I'm sure we mentioned them when we did our big long chat about swamp monsters and stuff when we did Solomon yes, Grundy. I'm a proud owner of the three hardbacks from PS Artbooks that reprint all of his, his Golden Age stories, the first volume covers um, 1941 to December 1947. Man-Thing is the, I probably suppose, the character that probably most approximates him sort uh-huh. of visually, you know, with that sort of like yeah. carrot-type feature in his yeah. you know, schnoz. Doing a very bad job of describing the heat, but basically the origin of the heat was that he was a World War One pilot who crashed in a swamp and was reborn. As a swamp monster. Yeah, and it's yeah. and it's very unusual that this um, ghost flyer has such a similar origin, but not the same outcome. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So after that little diversion... We return to the present day. The flashback is finished. The ghost pilot addresses the spectre and the pilot's former colleagues, saying, Von Krieg had died. His castle was closed up. Its fleet of planes, its library of occult books, all became mine. I easily frightened the nearby townspeople away, and then I plotted revenge. Close up, the spectre replies, I see. So you changed a flash into your ally and kidnapped your old comrades so you could face... Each of them in the air and destroy them. Exactly, Spectre. Destroy them for the dishonour. Their cowardice. But I say it's dishonour and cowardice for you to shoot down old men. You with your phantom powers, aided by the immense energies of the spectral flash. Caption for the bottom panel of page 14 says, For a long moment, the ghost of Luther Jarvis ponders the Spectre's thundering words. I'm going to have bad dreams about the ghost pilot Luther Jarvis tonight. I can't tell you. Um, anyway, he addresses the spectre, saying, I, I, what you say is right, spectre, but I will have my revenge. They must pay somehow. They must. 
At the top of page 15 now, caption for the first panel says, Now the vast hall which has rung with challenges down through the centuries echoes to the most fantastic challenge of all. So the spectre declares to the, the ghost pilot, to the phantom flash and to the, the squadron veterans, Then, as their champion, I challenge the spectral flash as your ally to a sky duel. If I win, freedom. If I lose... If you lose, their lives are forfeits. I accept. Go, Flash, and destroy the spectre. Wow. Righty, we have a caption for panel 3 on page 15 that says... Thus begins the most incredible battle of all time, as the two astral beings climb into tiny antique planes. Yeah, and it's about to see what you see. The triplane is glowing with ghostly energy. The other plane is glowing with ghostly energy. Barry Flash's ghostly form is climbing into the white triplane that belonged to Jarvis, and the spectre is climbing into the other one. We can see that the ghost pilot is watching, and we also see the, the silhouetted figures of the squadron veterans watching all this going on. We have a caption for panel four. Both vehicles immediately take on the supernatural powers of their pilots as they lift off. And one of the veterans watching the planes take off says, The spectre, can he win? And right up close to the camera, as it were, is Jarvis, the ghost pilot, who says, Against my phantom wingmate, old comrades? Never. So, you are all doomed anyway. The caption for the next panel says, High above Castle Creek, the bizarre battle is joined. The spectre is kind of lower down from the perspective in this panel. He's in the, the orange plane, Barry Flash in the, the white triplane. We can see their shadows being cast on the, the sea or whatever it is underneath the castle, which is very, very effective. And the spectre is saying, The Flash, he's gotten above me before I realised it. Right at the top of page 16. And again, this is gorgeous. This is about as far away from what you'd normally expect from Carmine, as you'd imagine. This is a proper weird war tale. It is, isn't yes. It? Yeah. Very much like that. We have a caption name for the first panel on page 16. With another lightning manoeuvre, the ghost white triplane is on the spat's tail. Sure enough, there's a nice diagonal split with the panels here at the top of page 16. We see the spectre's plane flying away with Barry Flash's triplane close to the camera. We can see the water, we can see the hillside, the moon silhouetted. It's, it's gorgeous. As he flies off, the spectre is saying, The ghost pilot must be directing the Flash. I'm really fighting an ace. Then, as the guns of the tripe thunder with astral energy far beyond their normal range and power... The spectre's plane flies out of the way of Barry's plane. There's a wham, 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 with a crack, 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 as his the Flash's gunshots, if that's what they are, maybe they're spectral scary gunshots, collide with the ground beneath the spectre as he gets out the road. Indeed, the spectre observes his guns tearing the cliff apart with some brams and crashes and roars. The fighting continues in the next panel, and the caption says, Just above some old ruins beyond the river roar the two discarnate spirit foes, the vibration of engines and guns shattering all around. Hurtling back across the river Rhine, their props turn its placid water to smashing tidal waves as the depths belch up their ancient treasures. Yeah, the planes fly down low over the water, and... We can see that the, the surface of the river has been cast up, there are waves, and brought to the surface are some long-sunk shipwrecks. I quite would like to go and visit the Rhine in Castle Creek and have a poke about and see what I can find. So, planes zoom past with a vroom, and we zoom to page 17. On Kareen, the two incredible foes. Whirling around above the bog near the castle, the wind from their wings levelling the trees and drying up the miasmic ooze. Yes! Let's basically see what you see. The trees that they're flying over snapping and cracking as the, the ground around them is, is dried up with some vroom and vroom sound effects. So the second and final panel of page 17 is a close-up of the spectre in the cockpit of his plane as the phantom flash fires on him from behind. The spectre is saying, We're destroying the countryside down here and I can't seem to shake him. Must try to defeat him upstairs. And the closing caption with a little carmine hand on it for chapter 2 says, when the spectre says upstairs, he means the whole universe. And it's the universe which rocks with action and fantastic shocks in part three, which explodes on third page following. Now, the rest of this page is rounded out with an advertisement for issue 233, it looks like, of Blackhawk. Spring to new heights with the new Blackhawk era, and it shows the Leaper 
bouncing out the cover of the comic. And it looks very much like Blackhawk himself, just in his back in his red jacket, is fighting with Cobra Commander from off of the G.I. Joe comics, but it's probably not. There's another caption that says, Join the Magnificent Seven in their seven new identities blazing new paths to comic glory. You're the wildest, williest heroes of all time, and you'll be meeting them all in the all-new Blackhawk on sale April 13th. Yes, they will blaze new paths to comic glory for another ten issues. Not to worry. So over the page, past the direct currents for that month, and we arrive at the top of page 18 in a caption which says... Phantom Flash Cosmic Trader Part 3 And things do get cosmic now for the next couple of pages. Blimey. And the caption then for the first panel of the final chapter says Now like moths towards some unseen flame the two antique warplanes spiral up, up, up to altitudes undreamed of by their long-ago pilots as the spectre and the spectral flash jewel for the very lives and eternal spirits of twelve aged heroes. And we get a very see what you see bit of dialogue from the spectre in this panel too, because the spectre, as his plane, flies up into the blackness of space with the flash falling behind, still firing on him. The spectre is saying, Satellites and space junk, we're already up several hundred miles above old Mother Earth. Yeah, and there are a couple of dinky little satellites. Mm-hmm. Um, and indeed, in the next panel, well, before actually, before we get further, do you remember when people scoffed at the Spitfires in Outer Space and the, the Matt Smith Dalek in yes. Doctor Who? Uh-huh. Well, they obviously hadn't read issue 72 of Brave and the Bold featuring Spectre and the Phantom Flash, the Cosmic Traitor, I'll tell you. Because what we have here is some outer space aeroplane action. Spectre has tried to duck out of the way of one of Barry Flash's attacks with a bram, bram, bram. The Flash is firing on the Spectre. The Spectre says... That burnt-out rocket casing. Maybe I can use it as a shield. He flies down underneath a bit of space junk, which then explodes as it gets hit with the Flash's bullets. Presumably they're bullets. Maybe they're cosmic outer space space ghost bullets. Spectral Um, bullets. Yeah. Spectral's delighted because he says, Perfect. Caption for the next panel. But the transformed Flash is still being directed by the skill of the ghost pilot. And a moment later... Yes, there's another large bram, bram. The, the flash files in the spectre there's a ram sound effect and the spectre comments I'm hit being tossed farther into space the spectral flash's power it's tremendous perhaps enough to harm even me the spectre is only too right for in the next instant as his pinwheeling ship presents an even better target yeah there's a sort of burst of energy around the spectre with a wham sound effect and an Ugh! From the Spectre as the Flash strikes him. We arrive now at the top of page 19. The incredible, the amazing, the unbelievable has happened. The all-powerful Spectre has been KO'd by a burst of astral energy. And now, as his plane spins out of control through space... Yes, we see the Spectre's plane sort of descending in a bit of a spiral, leaving sort of red and pink and purple smoke behind it, and it's approaching a very pockmarked looking planet surface. It might be the moon, it might not be, because it's sort of coloured sort of yellow and pink. Maybe it's just reflecting the flames, I'm not sure. The next panel on page 19, with a crash! The Spectre's aeroplane crashes on the surface of the moon or the planet beneath them. That's obviously what we saw on the cover, the wreckage. The caption for the next panel says, Within another instant of space-time... And as we see the Spectre lying stretched out, unconscious, it looks like he's lying in snow, actually. We can see that the Flash has landed his aeroplane, disembarked, and is moving towards the Spectre, saying, Ghost Pilot commands me to make sure he is destroyed. Caption for the next panel. Abruptly. Yes, abruptly indeed, with a thwazam, the Spectre kicks out at the Phantom Flash, saying, I'm still fighting, Flash, and since we're both non-physical now, I can kick you from here to the moons of Mars. Mars is not the landing field of the spectral Scarlet Speedster, but a dry, narrow gorge thousands more miles away. This does feel like something new art-wise from what we've been seeing before. There are hints of the Murphy Anderson to be the spectres around but the rest of it is like something else. This this anchor is obviously quite a strong presence over Carmine Pencils. We basically, the final panel of page 19, see the, the flash face down, skidding to a halt. <laughs> Terrific. So at the top of page 20, the first panel has a caption that says... And as the Spectre arrives at the spot by following his opponent's astral emanations... Yes, the the Flash, who is now fully cosmic himself, obviously, 
has extended a giant right fist with a cram that punches out the spectre. The Flash says, You didn't think that little tumble would hurt me, did you? And as the punch connects, he says, Now let us see how you take this. Caption of the next panel. The supernatural force of the Flash's blow sends the spectre reeling back. Back against a towering cliff face. Yep, see what you see, because that's what we get. And as the Grim Guardian leans against the rock like a dazed boxer on the ropes. Yep, you see the spectre struggling to stand up. The Flash is speeding in from the corner of the panel, saying, Now to use a little super speed to finish him off. And in the caption for the next panel. His usual fantastic velocity increased to incredible heights by his spectral form. The Flash hurtles in at the dazed discarnate destroyer. Yeah, it was a wham as the Flash collides in a crack as the spectre falls backwards against the rocks. Tremendous. Caption for the next panel. Staggering forward after a blow that would have leveled a mountain, the spectre tries to close with his foe. Yeah, it's not working too well. The spectre sort of stumbles and he's thinking, Ugh. My power draining away, but he is stronger than ever. Got to get hold of him. Cosmic Phantom Flash says, So, you're still on your feet. You won't be for long. Top of page 21, first caption says, Again and again, phantasmic fists flail at super speed. Yep, with a thump and a thump, Phantom Flash strikes many fist blows against the spectre's face. The Flash says, What's holding him up? Caption of the next panel. What indeed is holding up the gallant spirit from the body of Detective Jim Corrigan? Yeah, this great panel looks at the Spectres being absolutely pummeled by the Flash, and he's thinking, The twelve old aces, and their only hope to escape Ghost Pilot's vengeance, can't give up! Meanwhile, a quarter of a million miles away... And this is a very late-era-looking Carmine panel, it must be said. This could have fallen out of an issue of Nova or an issue of Star Wars. Close-ups of some of the veterans, and the Major is saying... The Spectre. I wonder how he's doing up there. Then the ghost pilot Luther Jarvis leers in from the side saying, He's losing old comrades. My wingmate, the Phantom Flash, is destroying the mighty mystic as I direct him by remote power. We're back with the fight in the next panel. The caption for it says, Across the rugged rumpled surface of the moon, the awesome battering continues. Yes, so that establishes that we're on the moon and that's fine. Now, this is an interesting panel because it looks like the spectre is starting to dissolve. His legs are getting very ill-formed and a bit... Ethereal. Yeah. Phantom Flash is winding up to for a knockout blow then and he says... Now, all my power in one final smash. However, caption for the next panel... But, as the Scarlet Speedster delivers a blow that would have wobbled the planet off its axis... Well, Barry's dialogue says what we see. What? He's gone! Disappeared! He had enough strength and awareness to use his vanishing powers. Yep, Spectre is gone. We arrive at the top of page 22, and the first caption says... Next moment, at a hypervelocity no instrument could measure... Yeah, we can see the Flash circling the moon at super speed, searching for the Spectre. As he does this, he says... I'll find him. No matter where in the universe he's hiding, I'll find him. Caption of the next panel... Covering the entire moon's surface in a fraction of an instant... The Sorcerer of Speed races out into the solar system and beyond. Yeah, this is a very cosmic capital C panel of that way that the Spectre seems able to stand on planets sometimes. We see the Flash zipping and bouncing basically between each planet in the solar system. And as he zips along, he's saying, He's got to be somewhere. He can't remain invisible for long after the punishment he's taken. And then, final sequence of panels at the bottom of page 22, the Flash catches up with the Spectre. There's a sort of twirling mass of green and yellow energy. And the Flash, zooming along, presumably just running through space, says... There. There he is, concealed in that comet's tail. Yep, and indeed we can see the Spectre buried within this big messy trail. And the Spectre cries, He's found me. In the next panel, the cosmic Flash is running through the comet's tail, saying... Now, Spectre, the showdown I... Uh, uh, what's happening to me? Yeah, now, he seems to be less translucent and less ghostly in this panel. Looks a little bit more defined. And then in the final panel of page 22, actually, as the comet trail flies past him above him, it almost looks as though the flash is back to normal. And he says, Where am I? In space. I'm falling in space. Which is very close to that song by Spiritualized. Sure. 
Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we are floating in space. Anyway, over the page to page 23, and with the caption for our first long panel says, His ghostly power suddenly gone, the flash falls helplessly until... Barry now looks back to normal, and the spectre has appeared, grabbed him by his ankle, and said, Got you, Flash. Flash replies, Spectre, what are you doing here in this void? In fact, what am I doing here? The next panel, the spectre is carrying Barry back to the surface of the moon and they approach the airplanes that got them there. The spectre is saying, I'll explain all the details later, Flash. It looks like the particles of that comet's tail changed you from a phantom back to your regular self. Right now, we've got a rendezvous to make on Earth. Yet, even as the spectre and the now normal Flash hurtle again toward Castle Creek... Yeah, so they've obviously used the white triplane to get back down to Earth, which is interesting because why didn't the Spectre just use his powers just to that get them back? doesn't like to leave a triplane in the moon unnecessarily. I suppose. And they can't use the other one, obviously, because it got smashed and destroyed. So, yes, this caption says, hurtling down towards Castle Creek, and in the background of the panel, we see the white triplane approaching, and Jarvis is in another biplane. He's taken off. He's flying towards him, and as he does so, he says, The Spectre has won! Defeated my phantom wingmates. Vengeance is no longer mine. Only one thing left to do. Yep, he's going to take them out himself. So the next panel, page 23, with a lovely full moon in the background, we see the two aeroplanes flying straight for each other. And from the white triplane, the flash cries, Ghost pilot, he's attacking us. The spectre replies, He's not firing, just coming straight on. He's going to ram us. And then, at the final panel of page 23, there is a massive wham sound effect. A huge explosion. Spectre has grabbed the Flash, pulling him away, saying, Hang on, Flash! Top of page 24. The caption says, Now, as a weird afterglow lights the skies above Castle Creek. Spectre is bearing the Flash, and in front of them, they see a fading out ghostly echo of the face of Luther Jarvis, the ghost pilot. Very like the, the demon image at the end of Quatermass in the Pit. Yeah. The spectre is saying, He's gone. Ghost Pilot destroyed himself in that supernatural explosion. He kept his word. The old aces are saved, and now, perhaps, he himself is finally at peace. That's actually quite sad. Slow dissolve, then. Caption for the next panel. Some time later, as Detective Jim Corrigan makes his report. We see Jim Corrigan on the phone, with the spectre hovering above him, or perhaps re-emerging. And Jim says, Yes, Chief, I've solved the case of the vanishing aces. They are left that room by the dumb waiter. Chief's voice crackles down the phone saying, What? Are we believing in ghosts next? <laughs> Cut it out, Chief. We have another change of scenery and a caption that says, While in Central City, where the Flash has returned to his Barry Allen identity. And we see Barry with a book in his hand and what looks like some books on a lot of shelves behind him. So presumably the young lady who he's talking to is, is the librarian. And the librarian is saying, Didn't you find this story of World War I air battles thrilling, Mr. Allen? Barry replies, Frankly, it put me to sleep. And he thinks, After the nightmare adventure the Spectre and I just went through. And we have a closing caption that says, And if you dig dreamy adventures with fabulous superhero team-ups, miss not the coming issues of The Brave and the Bold. They're merely magnificent. The end, I the suppose. End, then. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, what do you think? That was very exciting. Admittedly, there's pretty much no reason for the Flash to be in there. <laughs> it could have been anyone. It could have been any character. It, yeah, I mean, it could have been. That's a really good point. It could have been one of the one of the flyers, I suppose. One of the yeah. veterans, maybe even. I would have loved it if it had been Jay Garrick. Can you imagine? They'd just gone with the Earth Two Flash and yeah. done this. I'm guessing from this story. That Bob Haney had this idea, an editorial had to basically just put in the reference to Earth 2 at the beginning mm. just to kind of make it fit. To smooth it a bit. Yeah. Because yeah. it makes more sense for Barry to visit Earth 2 than you know, for the Spectre to casually come over to Earth 1. Yeah. And as we said at the start of the story, there was a central city on Earth 2, mm-hmm. which I think is I think, I think gives credence to what you're sort of saying. It's, yeah. it's clearly some kind of a mistake because, as mm-hmm. we all know, the whole point was central city was Earth 1. Yeah. Keystone, where Jay lived, was on Earth 2. Yeah. The fact that you at the end there, Barry's back in Central City. Is that the, presumably is that the Central City of his own Earth? Is it or is oh, it the be. Central City of Earth Two? Was he just hanging about there and got a book out whilst he was maybe that on book holiday? was only available in the Earth Two library? That's you know, possible. I mean, yeah, 
it's, I mean, you're right. It would have been very, very interesting if it had been Jay Garrett because it would have given Jay a big, strong solo appearance mm-hmm. outside of a flashed guest appearance. And as we say, we haven't seen much of him recently. Yes. You know, that flashback in 167, he appeared in Flash 170. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's going to be in Flash 173 very soon. It's an excellent point. It sh- I think it, you're right. It should have been Jay Garrett. I can imagine the cover. It would be amazing. By, by Carmine uh-huh. and Murphy with Phantom Scary Jay punching them out. All they had to do was a tiny little edit at the start, you know. Yeah, and also Jay's helmet is very much like a World War One helmet. Yeah. And that could have been a nice reference that the Ghost yeah. Pilot could have mentioned. In, instead of... Someone could have mentioned. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, and at the start, instead of saying in Central City, USA or North 2, it could have been... Whichever city the Spectre has been shown uh, yeah. operating out of and mm. and showcase, you know, and it says Scarlet Breeze ruffles as the Flash is on a visit. That's all you need. So I mean, maybe they just went with with Barry because he was more of a marquee player. Yeah, you know, because I mean, it's look, be. you look at the cover and the selling point to me mm. as as a fan of the Golden Age and as a fan of the Silver Age is oh my goodness, it's a team up between the Golden Age character, the Spectre Earth Two, and a team up with the the Earth One version of the Flash. Yeah, I mean, that is ka-ching, sold. Yeah, here you know. Futurama meme, take my money! And then you open it up and it's pretty much an enemy ace story. Yeah. It's fantastic. Incidentally, for the benefit of the listeners, uh, Fockers and Spandows are names of planes. Yes. Just to let you know. Yes. <laughs> Thank yes. you. Those, um, those cheeky Fockers. There's not really very much to add. I mean, it definitely felt like more of one of the, the Spectre stories that we've had in Showcase. Yes, uh-huh. Than a, a typical Flash story. Yeah, as I said, Flash, apart from <laughs> running about in space, which you can't do. They're talking in space, which they can't really do. But <laughs> it's, it's the Spectre. It's fine. We, we forgive that. Yeah. I'm assuming he had something to do with that. Mm. And the Flash's spectral energies had something to do with him, his ability to run in space. It could have been anyone. Yeah. The, the super speed punches are literally the mm. only thing mm. uh, that. Well, you know, there's, there's that bit at the start where he, he gets taken out by vibrating through the walls of the truck. I mean, again, yeah. that could easily have been could have happened to Jay. And the ghost, suppose, yeah. the ghost pilot was expecting the Flash to turn up and do this. Did he summon him somehow? Did he put some sort of mental influence under him yeah. to get him to Earth 2 in order to do yeah. that? Again, I mean, it's, it doesn't not explain it at all. Yeah, it's, it's quite weird. As I say, in some ways it raises more questions than answers. And Bob, As do most of the stories we talk about. <laughs> Bob Haney isn't that fast, really. He's obviously no. concerned with just telling a, an entertaining and exciting and effective story and I think he did there was some gorgeous panels in there as, as I kept saying this very atypical for Carmine mm-hmm. but very you know like a cross between a weird war comic story from the early 70s crossed with a Spectre showcase story because you know that image of the Spectre standing in the river beside the castle with the flash bearing towards him that, that's very showcasey. all the full moons it's a nice little gap filler before the Spectre's ongoing series sort of starts yes it uh-huh. almost feels in some ways like a bit of a prelude to that you know it's a while since he was in showcase it's a while since that jla story he was in was published mm-hmm. we're going ahead with the ongoing series uh-huh. let's put him in team up with the flash just mm-hmm. to remind everyone that he's still around yep speaking of weird war tales yes we have both recently been listening to the excellent weird warriors podcast mm. which covers the weird war tales series and Max and Rich do an excellent job of putting that together. In fact, they can say it much better than we can, so let's hear them now. There's something like 115,000 English-language podcasts in the world, and no doubt hundreds of them are aimed at the comic book genre. There are sci-fi comic podcasts. Horror comic podcasts. War comic podcasts! But do you know what we need? Two guys crazy enough to combine those fields and make a podcast of their very own? Yes. It's the answer to a question no one asked, so that's why we are answering it. Such a gaping hole in the podcast landscape must be filled post-haste. Did you really just use the word post-haste? The Weird Warriors podcast covers the Weird War Tales comic book series published by DC Comics from 1971 to 1983. Along the way, we'll also check out other horror and war comics published by DC, Marvel, Charlton, and any other targets that may present themselves to us. I have the war books, and he has the horror books. So if you're ready to take a nice, relaxing look at the hell of war in comic book form from the age of the caveman to the distant future, then report for duty by subscribing to the Weird Warrior Podcast, brought to you by the Brothers Fleen, wherever fine podcasting provisions are issued. Vampires. Aliens. Dinosaurs. Alien dinosaurs. There's something for everyone. General Sherman said war is hell, but do you know what else is? weird for our purposes yes so tune in to the weird warrior podcast today do it that's an order yes sir 
Don't call me sir, I work for a living. But we're not getting paid for this. Dang. Well, I'm Max. And I'm Rich. And we're going to be bringing you the Weird Warriors podcast, where we will promise to make war no more. Yep, Weird War Tales, excellent comic, DC horror anthology that ran from the 70s into the 80s. Um, quite a few of them myself. It's a great book, and it's a very enjoyable podcast, so please do check it out, see what you think. So, sadly, we don't have any contemporary reader reaction for you this time. No. And there's not really too much else to add. We both really enjoyed the story. We've yep. highlighted some of the things we didn't like, some of the things we were a bit, hmm. Yeah. Bob Haney has, has returned, and he's we're going to hear a lot more from him very soon. Quite excited to know yes. Zany Bob Haney. Zany Bob Haney. A lot of the stories are very contentious, it must be said, and they're <laughs> going to cause us all sorts of trouble as mm-hmm. we attempt to try and reconcile mm-hmm. all the various authors. But you know, we're not even really going to try to, to reconcile the various well, authors. We'll we're going we to speculate yeah. as we go along and suggest what might be likely, and we'll go for the simplest and most straightforward reason for why some things might be happening and why some characters might be appearing. But if you disagree with us about that, you can always get in touch with us. You can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because we'll put up lots of bonus material from this excellent issue and indeed from lots of other issues. Check us out there at Facebook and Instagram. We're at the Earth 2 podcast and on Twitter we're at podcast underscore Earth 2. And it's the number two for all our social media. Also, make sure you check out our website. That's theearth2podcast.com where you can find all of our previous episodes. So if there's any episodes that you haven't listened to yet, that may be a little place to find out a little bit more about them. That's pretty much it for this week. There we are. I've been Peter. And I've been David. And we'll see you next time on... The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. But hearts that never froze before screaming fuckers are flinched. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Okay? It's not Stan Boardman. Come on, here we go.